0: Hi and, Hi and welcome. The facts and blog and podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode 54 of the Faxon Blog and Podcast. We're excited to have you with us today as we continue on in season two. Uh, Joining Emily and I today is Fred Mastison, and you may have seen a little bit of Fred uh, if you follow us on social media or you pay attention to us in magazine articles and uh, uh, product reviews, uh, because Fred is... is, uh, quite the busy man in the shooting sports space, I would say. So, Fred, well, welcome to the show.
1: Welcome, Fred. Well,
2: thank you very much, Emily. It's good to see you again. Yeah. Seems like I just saw you just, uh, what, a couple of days ago.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, we finished up the class. I was like, you know, we got to have him on the podcast. So I yeah. got back and I was well, like, Dustin, what do you think? And he was like, oh, of course.
0: Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I'm flattered. Good. Well, Fred, if you wouldn't mind just, you know, give folks your, you know, your author bio on the back of your book, if you would, you know, just the 10,000 foot view of who you are, what you do and, and, uh, how how you got into uh, uh, the shooting sports space.
2: Sure. Well, uh, I'm Fred Masterson. Obviously I own a company called force options USA. And under that umbrella, I've got three divisions. We've got the firearms division. Obviously I do law enforcement and civilian training, um, beginners to advanced training. I'm a post-certified instructor. So I do a lot of national training and certification courses, Oh, on the other side of what we do some combative, some self defense type training, open hand work. Uh, I'm also an outdoor writer. I'm a gun writer for about 16 different magazines. I've been doing that for quite some time. In fact, I'm finishing an article on you guys right now. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say, we just um, uh, finished building a rifle for you. So
2: hopefully, yeah, yeah, that's, hopefully that's, that'll that's be coming us. soon. That's even for another article. We yeah, have <laughs> actually two in, the, two in the hopper.
1: So exciting. Um,
2: then on top of that, we've got a close protection or executive protection business as well. And it's, this is something I've kind of just was born into. My father was alive in the military for 30 plus years, and it's kind of what I've always known. And I talked with the army, I talked about it through the army for for several years. and what started out as helping a couple guys get ready for certs on the range, you know, a long time ago when Abe Lincoln was president. Uh, It eventually grew into classes. And and here we are today where I I travel all over the world doing this. So I am definitely fortunate to do what I do.
0: Yeah, very good. Well, something that we have some footage on, and so maybe you could talk about it a little bit, and we'll play this for the folks that are watching uh, on YouTube and, and Vimeo and such, is about a class that you just did uh, just north of us here, um, just north of Cincinnati, up at Lake Bailey. Um, you had a class that uh, Emily and some of our staff members went to. You know, what was that class and, and what were you training for that particular course?
2: That was our introduction to defensive handgun class. And in all honesty, is one of my favorite classes. Um, on top of that, we had a really good group. The focus of that class is to really build the hardcore fundamentals of, of handgun, which a lot of people skip over. Everybody sees social media and they want to go fast. They want to do the speedy reloads and have the sub-second draws. Um, but they don't know how to shoot their gun. Mm-hmm. And in this class, we talk about everything from manipulations to a good draw stroke to follow up to sight picture, side alignment. And it's a great class. And you know, I'm not I'm not throwing sunshine at Emily, but <laughs> everybody in the class really just crushed. They soaked it up and it was miserable hot and humid. Yes. And nobody whined. It was really, really a good class. And as I always say, it's it's one of my favorites because it's the building block. People really grow from there.
1: Yeah, we we had an awesome, awesome time. And I think, you know, to touch on what you said the fundamentals are something a lot of people like to ignore, especially people that have been shooting a long time. I feel like as somebody that's been shooting a long time, like even for me, a fundamental class is always something I get a lot out of. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, especially even the long when you shoot for a really long time, sometimes you almost forget the basics. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome because I actually got to shoot one of our FX-19 handguns. And since I'm new here, I haven't really gotten a lot of experience with that handgun. So brought that to the class, got to shoot that. And it was really awesome. Like Fred said, you get to do a lot of manipulation and you learn, I don't know, you learn how your gun works a little better. Like you learn the feeling of the trigger a little better. You. It's a really great class, especially... I think for people who conceal carry, you know, you, you should be, or even if you just have a firearm for self-defense in any capacity, you should be really familiar with that handgun. And I think that's what was awesome about this class is we got really familiar with how our firearm worked and how to clear any problems with it. I think that was really great.
0: Yeah, it was
2: It was a good time. Everybody did a great job to, um, I seem to be blessed because I rarely have any knuckleheads in class. We always <laughs> have generally a bunch of rock stars. It's always fun.
1: Yeah. Our customer service, uh, one of our customer service representatives, Martin, was probably like the star of the show. He was so good. He was yeah. shooting amazingly. We're, yeah, so shout out fast. to Martin. Yeah. He was, he was killing it. But
0: yeah, I mean, and so, you know, Fred, how did you start? developing these classes because you do more than just the one that Emily and the guys here took, you know, what, what kind of goes into that, um, kind of course planning, if you will. You know, I think about it like my wife's a teacher, you know, and so mm-hmm. I think about all the stuff she has to go through and
1: lesson plans <laughs> <lesson Yeah. plannings
0: laughs> and structure yeah. and assessing how your students are doing, you know, and knowing where you need to jump in. And and, you know, obviously there's so many different, you know, bodies in the firearms industry that, you know, create some sort of training collateral, whether it be independent companies or, you know, bigger groups groups like the NRA or the NSSF, you know, kind of how do you start um, designing some of these classes, uh, you know, to, to you know, probably put your own edge on it, but also, you know, make sure that you're kind of in line with with what, uh, you know, what the industry is doing.
2: Yeah, I uh, you have to have a curriculum and I have, I, I am the curriculum hog here. I've got curriculum <laughs> for everything. So, for example, this introduction to defensive hanging class, you know it is my personal spin these are the what are the in my opinion what are the core skills that somebody must have in order to be safely or safely have that firearm and to be able to manipulate it and if the worst happens that they're able to present it and and execute to to do what they need to do and in my opinion those are things like how do you get the gun out of the holster how do you clear a malfunction what is a sight picture what is sight alignment those are things that I consider to be cornerstones and that is where I start all my classes. They have to contain these these items. Well, from there we'll have an intermediate handgun class. Well, what's an intermediate? Well, now we'll shoot we'll shoot multiple targets. We'll start moving while we're shooting. And in all honesty, I start moving and shooting pretty early on because it's a very crucial skill. So then we'll introduce, like for example, moving and shooting. Um, move to strong side, strong side and support side, learning one hand manipulations. Um, we'll we'll do more more close quarter work and things like this. And then we move on up to advanced. And all really advanced shooting is or is the fundamentals a little more quickly. Because I still expect you to do the same, have the same strong fundamentals. And for those of you who shoot with me a lot, there's a lot of people I get a lot of return students we do a lot of the same drills in the advanced class that we do in the beginners class because they're that important. But we, may at that point, we may work barricades, round barrels, in and out of vehicles, and things like this. So it all starts with that cornerstone, those cornerstone pieces, and then I'll add on additional skills for each one. And that that philosophy, that model, if you will, applies to everything: my handgun, carbine, uh, precision rifle, shotgun. That the same format works across the board.
0: And I would say just from, you know, what I know of you and what, you know, Emily and others have taken classes with you and and such, um, you know, I would say this is this is more um, fundamentally based for like real life or potential real life scenarios. You know, this isn't like you know, you're going to be training people up for the tactical games or something. You're not going to, you know, you know, have them do all the, all the, all the kind of crazy, you know, competition stuff. This is really, you know, heavily defensive, heavily, you know, skilled for the type of firearm in situations that y- you would be in. Is that a decent assessment? That,
2: that's exactly right. And, and honesty, there tends to be what I call three classifications inside the firearms industry. Um, There's the group that I work inside of and those are defensive firearms instructors. And we work specifically on defensive applications, be it civilian, be it law enforcement, whatever. We work on the actual worst case scenario applications of firearms. And then there are those that work inside the competition side, these competition shooters, and they teach competition style classes. You'll drop a loaded magazine in between targets and things like this, things you would never do in a defensive scenario. But that's for their world, and it works quite well, and they're they're really good at what they do. And then we have what I call intertrainment, which is I'm not really sure what it is. It's, <laughs> they they, you know, you're rolling around on the ground, you're hanging upside down, doing crunches and shooting upside down.
1: Sounds like they my worst nightmare, no honestly. <laughs> yeah, worst nightmare right there.
2: Yeah, have I, I ever in a
1: situation. There's a lot of it. Yeah, I'm ever in a situation where I have to do crunches and shoot something. I'm <laughs> um, like, I'm dead. Yeah. Like, The, um, it's the not world's
0: g- ending anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's over. It's
1: done. I'm giving up then. <laughs>
0: You know, <laughs> I am curious, though, just, I mean, as, as you know, and, you know, you were just uh, here, you know, a few weeks ago, but, you know, we've made a, a bit of a push uh, a little further in, into the pistol market and oh, yeah. uh, being able to, you know, offer some of the uh, ability and skill that we have on the manufacturing and engineering side and, and putting it to things that, you know, are smaller. If you will, people know us for barrels, especially for rifles. And then they got to know us for, you know, larger. Uh, uh handgun barrels things like G34s and and uh, P320s and so on but i'd imagine yeah. that most of the people that are taking your defensive stuff um the like the class a couple of weeks ago would be more for this is your concealed carry gun this is the one you want to practice with and and be comfortable with i mean what types of of firearms are you normally seeing you know come to these classes because these last couple of years with things like 365 and 365 XL, and all the iterations of Shield and the Glock 43s over the last couple of years. You know, what are some of the you know more, uh, I guess, popular choices for the people that are coming and taking this type of class?
2: Well, there's Glock still is still just a, a titan inside the, the defensive world because I think honestly, primarily because they have such law enforcement presence, people just assume that there's a good link. Um, I shoot a Glock. I shoot shoot a ton of guns, um, but that's the one I see the most of size-wise. I see a lot of 19s. There's some 17s. Um, The other guns I'm seeing a ton of now are the smaller guns, like the SIG 365. I'm seeing a ton of those. Yeah. Um, That's a a great little gun. Um, When SIG first released that, I wasn't sure I really wanted to like it. Yeah. because. I'm honestly, in all in all truth of the matter, I'm not a fan of the little micro blasters unless you absolutely cannot carry uh, a mid size or full size gun. But that gun's a shooter. That gun is a shooter, and I, I see those. I used to see a few revolvers here and there, but it's been it's been a good year since I've seen a wheel gun come into a class. dang
1: I should have brought my wheel gun
0: yeah she could have brought one of her cowboy pistols
2: I would have just set the timer down it would have been been over
1: honestly yeah I I, many times I feel more comfortable with my Rigover Karos than I do with like a Glock 19 but you know I think that's just because I obviously have like 10 plus years of experience with my revolvers and I have you know half that with a Glock 19 so um, I think that's part of it but no, I, I, I that's what I loved about the class is that each of us got to bring what we were comfortable with. I, I mean, I brought an FX-19, which I never shot before, but that was because I wanted to get more comfortable with it because I did just start working here and I want to know more about the firearms we we're using. Um, but, you know, normally like what I have at home is I have a easy nine. I like that gun a lot, you know, but that's what, you know, I could have brought that. Uh, We are one of our sales guys, John, brought his P365 and we made fun of him because it was the smallest gun in the class. (laughs) And there were multiple women in our class. So we felt good that we didn't have the tiniest guns because that's, you know, your common misconception is that we're supposed to shoot the tiny guns. Uh, No, (laughs) that was John. Um, But that's what I loved about it is, you know like Fred wasn't pushing any particular style of firearm on us. And I think, you know, that's like, that's what's important is everybody has something that's comfortable for them. And you stressed that too, in the class, even like with style of shooting, you know, you were like what's comfortable for you might not necessarily be the way everyone teaches you to do it, but if it's comfortable and safe and it's working for you, you know, Fred kind of found a way to work that into his teaching. And I liked that a lot because a lot of times you get instructors that just tell you what to do. And don't really give you that comfort. And you did a really good job with that, Fred.
2: Well, I appreciate that. And that's really actually a very important point is if I have somebody coming into the class and they're shooting fast and they're shooting a ragged hole, they're shooting a quarter-sized group, and their grip is all wonky and their stance is all wonky, but they're able to really bring the rain, what am I going to say? Mm-hmm. Stop doing it, doing it right. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you're going to just be horrible if you start doing anything else. Now, of course you could offer small tips, things like maybe move your thumb a little bit and offer things, but ultimately this is a smorgasbord of things. Try it. If it works for you, fine. If what you were doing before works better, then go back to what you were doing. Anybody who says that there's, this is the only way. Yeah. You need to go ahead and pack yourself up and start walking.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that, you know, if, if, you know, anybody watching or listening to this episode has been with us through the previous fifty or so shows. Something that we talked about a lot last season because it was in such the height of the pandemic and in the height of the gun run. And you know, it seemed like new numbers were coming out every day for for new gun buyers. And we had um, you know so many people uh, you would just see on social just I mean just going after these new gun buyers. You know, and and there was one part of me that was like. Okay, you know they 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 just think what they think and it'll pass and it'll be fine. You know we I remember seeing posts like oh you know all these new guns that are being bought you know get ready to see them in a pawn shop in six months and all this sort of stuff and and we really haven't seen that this time oh. around at least not at the same clip as we've seen in you know previous iterations of of gun sale spikes and you know one thing that we tried to echo here was. You know, listen, if people are being safe and responsible, like that's really all, all we can ask, because as far as, you know, Second Amendment rights are concerned, regardless of where you live and, and so on, you, you need more people. You need more people getting into the sport, whether it's for defense or for competition or whatever, Um, more people to get familiar with it and more people to not just go immediately. Oh, gun bad all the time, no matter what. And I felt like there was still a lot of people, uh, you know, that were previously firearms owners that were kind of, you know, just poking and jabbing, you know, at at these new folks. And I'm like, is, is this the best foot forward? you know, that we're giving here, all these people who are probably a little nervous about buying one anyway, and now yeah. they sense the need, and now they sense that this is something that they need to have for for protection. I mean, you probably remember, it, it was almost a year ago on the nose, maybe even a little before, you know, we were talking about You know, the whole defund the police movement was coming along. Departments were having trouble staffing shifts. You know, you would get news reports of vacant 911 calls, crazy stuff. And people were like, "Okay, you know, this this is on me. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was a little. A little bad taste for you know for any of us in the industry especially but certainly in the firearms community to be throwing up these barriers of entry and and you know making people you know feel badly about wanting to take that next step in their you know uh, in their self-protection or family protection home protection what have you you know I'm, i'm just curious with all of that said You know, has there been maybe a little bit of a paradigm shift with some of the regulars you have in class with versus, you know, the new people that you have in these classes? Kind of kind of what are you seeing now since it's been, you know, 10 million plus new gun owners in in the last uh, 12 to 18 months?
2: Well, what I've seen, um, there's there's multiple points on this. One is class participation. Um, I always get a lot of the same people coming back because they really enjoy it. And they make friends. There's a lot about firearms class. that's really kind of a bonding moment. I do see a lot more newer shooters. And, and in all honesty, when I saw some of the existing gun owners kind of throwing stones or taking jabs at new gunners, um, I set a couple of them pretty much on fire because their cliche was, well, they're not going to get any training. And I laugh because about 75% of the existing gun community doesn't get training. Mm-hmm. So they they've got no foot to stand on when they say things like this. I agree with you completely. They're even if they're not some super ninja shooter, they're a member of the second minimum community now. They may never take that gun out, but they've got a gun, and now they're not waffling anymore. Mm-hmm. They could be a positive voice for us um, in regards to you know essentially the attitude in class. Honestly, the people that I've seen have been very positive about new 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 gun owners coming in. I think social media is kind of a toxic place sometimes for that. Sure. You know, you get Absolutely. somebody who's perceived as a voice of importance, they chime in and set a tone on something, then all their little fan people will jump in and kind of, kind of jump into the mob mentality on that. But as a whole, I think everybody's been very supportive of the, of new gun owners. I know we've had, you know, Emily, we had that we had a couple brand new shooters in, in, the, in this class and yeah, It's it's been nice, but I haven't seen a giant spike in in new gun owners or new new students. But that's the way that it's always been. There's always be a lot of people that buy guns and never seek training.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, as someone who used to instruct classes myself, um, I've noticed you know, I I feel like nine times out of ten, new gun owners are the, the new people in the class that don't really have as much experience, they're honestly almost always the most safe person. In that class, you know, the people that I really had problems with, you know, I worked at a range, an indoor range at Georgia Southern University, and I worked there for two years. And my problem people were my regulars. My problem people were the people that had been shooting for decades. They were the one, you know, we had range officers that worked on the range, and you know, they'd have to stop someone. And I mean you know, it's, it's like they've lost those, their touch with those basic safety practices. Whereas a new shooter, you know, especially someone that maybe didn't think necessarily that they would own a gun someday, you know, and they have, and I don't, I don't want anyone to be scared of a gun, but at the same time, there's like a healthy amount of, you know, this is this is a firearm. This is something, you know, that's shoot it, shooting a projectile downrange. There's a respect almost, you know, turning that fear into respect. Mm-hmm. And with new gun owners, I think they respect that firearm and they respect that safety, you know, those precautions so much more than someone that's so comfortable with their firearm that they've kind of lost that respect almost. And they start to slack on those basic safety rules. And I think, you know, like Fred said, those new shooters come in and, you know, we had a few new shooters in our class and, really the only mistakes they're making are mistakes just out of not having the knowledge. You know, once I remember when I was a kid and my dad started teaching me how to shoot and my mom started teaching me how to shoot, you know, like I never forgot a safety rule because that was, you know, hammered into me. (laughs) Like I was so, you know, I was like, (laughs) all right, I respect this thing that, you know, this is this is not just a toy. And I think when you're new to something like this, especially now, you know, and you maybe it's somebody that it was never around guns. You have that healthy level of respect, and you're really paying more closely attention to those safety rules.
2: You know, Emily, you hit it on the head right there. It's a sense of complacency I've seen in quote-unquote experienced shooters. It's funny because there seems to be a little zone in there. Beginning shooters, really really good about safety and and the the rules. Middle-tier shooters that see themselves, well, I've been shooting forever. Yep they get a little little sloppy and then those that have been a long time that are serious about it it their their awareness and skills tend to go back up again so it's that the yep. middle zone of, of i know everything they're they're the worst ones
1: i think i think it, it's just like you said the people that think they know everything because yeah. I, I don't know about you but you know as someone who's been shooting you know for like a decade i never feel like i know everything I'm never going to feel that way. I mean, I stood there in your class and I was learning things. I, I think when you're, you know, an avid firearms owner, competitor, shooter, defensive handgun, you know, person, like you're never done learning. I think once you accept that, I think that's when you, you know, become a little more of an experienced shooter and you get that safety, you know, really down because you're exactly right. That middle tier, they think they know everything. But with me, for the way I feel, having been in different facets of the industry throughout the last few years, you're never done learning in this industry. Like, you know, and I'm never afraid to be like, Oh, I don't know how this gun works. You know, show me. Like I feel like there's, you know, sometimes we kind of get pressured in this industry where it's range day or something, and we're supposed to know everything. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think, you know, once you think you know everything, or you try to pretend you know everything, that's when you start to, you know, see people slip with that.
0: Absolutely right. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a lot of false bravado yeah. you don't want somebody to make fun of you or whatever. And then, yeah. and then you risk making a mistake or, or just making a, an unsafe choice, you know, for, for just the, the sense of reputation or, or prowess. And yeah, that could certainly get dangerous. You know, Fred, um, you know, I want to take a jump from what you do on the training side of things and the teaching side of things, and, and maybe talk a little bit about, uh, the writing. <clears throat> and what the kind of the, the journalism aspect of of what you do? So you listed, or you, you said you write for uh, you know a bunch of uh, you know different publications. Uh, but for those of us who aren't in you know regular contact with you, you know what are some of the you know four five six that you that you write for the most that that people may have seen your work in?
2: Sure, the ones I write for the most are Ballistic Magazines, um, Tactical Life, Personal Defense World. Um, we do an annual or ballistics best, then ballistic precision. Um, I've done some stuff with uh, survivor's edge. And then I do a lot of digital work as well. So ballisticmag.com. I do a lot of work with Alp on outdoors. So pretty much, in fact, I don't think there's one magazine that they have that I don't write for. Yeah. So those, those are pretty much the ones that are bo- most well known.
0: You know, that's and something I wanted to ask you about is, you know, it seems like you could get trapped in the blogosphere really quickly. I mean, there's so many articles and I mean, people are on Reddit threads talking about guns. Everybody has their own little personal blog. Everybody has like a, you know, a digital publication that they subscribe to and such. But one thing that I feel like has stayed true and true for years, even before I was working in the industry, you know, even as a kid seeing, you know, just the gun magazines, like the physical printed magazine. And I know that in the world of communication and media, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, is this the year the print dies totally and all this sort of stuff. But something I've found interesting, and maybe you could speak more to it from the inside, is it seems like the physical printed firearms magazines, whether it's, you know, guns and ammo or beyond, you know, they they still seem to, you know, be, be holding some water here. And I feel like there's a bit of the firearms audience uh, and that two-way community that, you know, like you mentioned, the social media could be a toxic place to be sometimes. I think there's a ton of gun owners that, you know, aren't active on social media. We, we get really... Uh, tunnel visioned, especially those of us who work in it on the marketing side, you just kind of, if you're not careful, you'll think, well, everybody's seeing this, you know, everybody's seeing this online or everybody's seeing this on social. And granted, yes, millions of people are, but at the same time, there's a huge swath of, of the firearms community that, you know, if it's not in a printed magazine or on broadcast or maybe cable TV, they're, they're not seeing it.
2: You're exactly right. You know the the cliche that print is dead is is just a cliche. Uh, there are there are several magazine, you know, niches out there that will always have strong print presence, and firearms industry is one of them. People like to have that physical glossy. Look at the pictures, read the article without distraction, without thirty five thousand comments, and in all honesty, especially is as, as nice as the print. Print is done now, especially with something like ballistic. that's a little bit oversized, mm-hmm. almost has a coffee table style feel to it, you know, coffee table book. Um, they're, they're still extremely popular. And another aspect of that cliche is that only super old, you know, boomers are not online anymore. That's not even remotely true.
1: Definitely, I yeah. can
2: guarantee that I've got people 10, 15 years my junior that have no social media whatsoever. They don't want anything to do with it. And they're deeply into the gun world. Mm -hmm. So I I know for a fact that there is an audience that some people are are really missing out by not reaching out to inside the inside the print world.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I talk to like my friends that are in different industries and we talk about market. You know, I have a lot of friends that are in marketing or social media marketing. And, you know, I tell them I'm like, oh, well, in my industry, in my world, you know print media is super important. Print media, you know, a huge part of our demographic in the firearms industry, you know, they're getting those magazines, like you said, ballistic guns and ammo, recoil gun digest, you know? And, um, I think, I think for somebody that's worked in the industry, um, I actually, my first job in the industry was as a copywriter. I was writing articles, I was writing blogs and just moving into the marketing sphere. I mean, in this industry and in these kind of companies, writers like you guys are, are assets to us. I think writers are so important. You know, when we're, when Dustin and I are planning to market a product launch, I mean, the first people I'm thinking about is what writers do I need to contact about maybe reviewing this or what writers, you know, do I know that might want this product? Uh, I think, you know, that's a lot of people go to social media influencers and they do have their place in this community, but you know, I look at them pretty much equal. I mean, our writers are some of our best assets when we're introducing a product or we're talking about, you know, some of our offerings here at Faxon. I think writers definitely help us out a lot, like you for sure.
2: Well, I'm biased, obviously. You know, <laughs> I, I would agree because one is we've got the experience in it. And two is we can we can speak to the product from a more skilled background. You know, the social media influencer thing has kind of been a create, kind of been a thing, especially over the last five or so years and you know, as, um, as kind of an old grumpy guy in the industry sometimes (laughs) that, um, some of the, some of the people, in fact, there was a company just recently chose, and I'm not picking on anybody and I'll, I'll just kind of limit what I'm going to say here. (laughs) Um, Some of the people that they choose to put their products in their hands because they have a hundred thousand followers. Um, it's pretty sketchy because that man or that woman has got no experience with it. And I'll Their, their idea is that just by her holding that gun, all of a sudden, thousands of people are going to buy their gun. It just doesn't hold water. It it just, it just doesn't work. And in fact, in this situation, I was actually contacted about it. It makes the company look foolish. And I I try to tell, especially some, some magazines, the magazine side of it, to be very careful about who you're using and why you're using them. Because if all you're looking for clicks, um, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's a price to that. Yeah. There's a, we're, there's a
0: respect issue to that.
1: We're lucky. We have a really good group of influencers, um, on the facts oh, and yeah. team, but I, I definitely, Um, Definitely agree with that. We get choosy. We get choosy. We do. We get choosy. Justin and I get very choosy. That's why
2: you're successful. That's why your influencers, that's why your programs are successful because you're picky about who you use.
1: Yeah. I think honestly, my favorite part of this job is getting to work with writers and influencers. I mean, you guys are some of my favorite people in the industry. And I mean, I love, you know, like writers' events and influencer events. That's something I've always loved to do. But, you know, one thing that I love is a lot of you guys, you know, some of the influencers, but really all of the writers. I mean, you guys, we're not paying you to write about our product. You know, if we send you a product and you don't like it, you don't write about it. So really, you know, at the end of the day, people are trusting you guys to write about what you think is a good product because you are, you are writing, you know, if you don't like the product, You're not going to write about it. Or it'll
0: show up in the article. (laughs) Or it'll show
1: up in the article like this was crap. You you hit it
2: on a very good point, you know, because we as a writer, I get that sometimes. They're like, oh, you never write anything but good stuff. You know, (laughs) I would really tell people how it really is. Like, well, two things. First off, you're not a writer, you'd write for about four (laughs) seconds. And what I explained to them, like, listen, if somebody sends me a gun and for whatever reason it's not working right or whatever, you send it back. Mm-hmm. You give them the benefit of the doubt. They didn't intend to send you a, a malfunctioning weapon. That's not what they want. So you as a professional courtesy, being a professional, you send it back, say, hey, listen, you know, it's not running right. Maybe the feed ramp, I don't know. And bingo, they send one back. Everything's good. You finish your article. Uh, you, you might mention that, but our goal is not really to look for, for junk to write about and beat people up. There's, there's no benefit to that. Those companies tend to sort themselves out. Mm-hmm. So that that's what people don't get sometimes.
1: Absolutely.
0: yeah, I mean there's there's a lot to it. And you know Emily, you bring up a good point. It's something that that we recognize, but maybe you know those of us who are aren't in the industry may not realize you know there's a difference between you know, buying ad space, you know in a oh, magazine yeah. versus getting a call from you or anyone else saying, You know, hey, we'd we'd like to use X, Y, and Z for this article, or you know, and and sometimes it's not even about your brand specifically. You know, it could be, hey, we're, we're doing a whole series on this caliber. You know, could you just send us some stuff from that caliber? And the whole article is just about that caliber. And they yeah. might mention us. You know, they might use a picture or something like that because those were the parts that they were using for their testing uh, or or for their write-up and research. But it's not necessarily a, a pay-to-play. You you see a half-page ad, yeah. full-page ad or whatever. Yeah, that's that's pay-to-play. But nobody's, you know, writing anything up on the ad you know this is this is about yeah. you know this is about like going okay what is kind of your guys's editorial timeline what are you working on what other projects are, are you guys doing and you know and we just try to make ourselves available for okay where could we pop in or you know.
1: sometimes sometimes we don't even do that we just all of a sudden we'll open a magazine one day that arrives at our desk and we go oh, oh yeah someone someone, here. someone wrote about our barrel did we talk to, did you, Dustin yeah. and I like look at each other and we're like, did you talk to him? Yeah. Did I talk to him? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you guys just find a product you really love, you know, completely apart from that company. And you just decide to put it in your article and write about it. And that's, you know, I think that's awesome. We, we love when that stuff happens. I mean, of course, you know, we're always going to ask you guys if you're interested in anything and Fred, you know, I'll send you whatever you want. You know, if you want to write about something, you know, I, I got you covered, but we love, you know, we hear of a writer and I'm like, huh. I don't know who he is. I have to email well, him. He just wrote a great piece about our 1022 barrels. You know, like yeah. that happened the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah. I we, have, email him. we have
0: a little tracker when when there is a you know a writer or publication that you know we're planning on sending something to. We have a little tracker in there, and it's just you know contact information, what we send, when it's going to be publicized. But we do every every once in a while, someone will come in, or we'll get you know the big pile of magazines that gets delivered here, and I'll I'll pass them out, and be like anybody with free time. And browse through this yeah. and make sure we're not in it you know because because uh-huh. sometimes we don't know you know yeah. they, they don't always tell us if, if something's going in so yeah as far as like you know biases and and things are, are like that are concerned you know this isn't uh you know kind of the flip side of of the influencer thing too you know some yeah. people are just like yeah you know you pay me enough money i'll come out i'll shoot your stuff i'll do whatever um you know, and, and not poo-pooing it, we use influencers. But oh, again, yeah. we want to make sure that they match with the brand. And uh, especially for people that are, you know, kind of in a higher level, a, a sponsored shooter of ours or a yeah. pro staffer type situation. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes all the way up to the owners of the company. You know, we don't unilaterally make those decisions. Um, so it is. There's a, there's a little more P's and Q's to mind when it comes to them. And so that's why I think... You know, both people in the industry still like using, you know, the written medium uh, and, and for the consumer, you know, because they should be able to know, hey, I'm not just getting a spokesperson, you know, for a brand. You know, I'm getting yeah. somebody who, you know, they're, they're dedicated to what they're writing and that it's accurate and that it's good. And it's not necessarily like you were saying, just, you know, how many clicks does it get?
1: Yeah, so for those of you out there that think all these writers are getting paid by us to say awesome things about our stuff, Fred (laughs) is here to prove you guys wrong.
2: I guarantee you. And honestly, with (laughs) Athlon Outdoors, they're they're the publisher, they own all the magazines that I write for. And they specifically have a policy of no pay to play. Um, There was another publisher I worked for years before, and they were all about pay for play. Because I would get a work order to write an article and then what I found out was their sales staff would contact you, for example. They'd say, hey, we got a great article coming out. Would you like to buy some ad space? You know, if you buy some ad space, we can make room for the article. And I found out about that. I'm like, that is so
1: cheesy. Oh.
0: Yeah, it's rough.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I tell I, the
2: writers that we felt foolish when we found out.
1: Yeah. And of course, you know, I mean, like buying ad space and stuff, you know, you're meeting people, you're building relationships. Maybe they think, oh, I'm writing, you know, an article about a SIG P365. Oh, who has cool barrels? Oh, I worked with Faxon on an ad. You know, that kind of thing happens. But, you know, it's not like we've never, I think. Paid to be in anything, you know. Where I mean, we can yeah, barely as far as a buy, Yeah, we barely can buy ads, <laughs> let alone. Like, <laughs> I mean, we buy print ads, but you know, like Facebook ads. And, I mean, you know, advertising is pretty limited for firearms companies. So really, we rely on you guys to. Think that our product's great and yeah. write about it.
0: Yeah, both both digitally and in print. It's something, you know, we echo from time to time, you know, on the show, but I don't think people realize it. And it's always surprising to me how many people are surprised by this. Yeah. But, you know, gun companies, we can't, I mean, we can't pay for Google ads. We can't do Facebook ads. We can't do Instagram ads. You know, anything that you see, you know, from us on social happens in some way organically, either you know, someone like an influencer or like a writer or just a fan of the brand is liking something, retweeting something, posting something about us. An affiliate might be posting something about us, um, you know, but we can't do some of the traditional things that other companies can, you know, other yeah. companies outside of the two way space. And it, and it gets so down to even things like, you know, knives, knives. And whatever people can't, you know, any sort of, you know, what the, you know, social media ownerships would say is a dangerous ordinance, whether it's legal where you are or not, whether you're an FFL or not, um, you know, they'll, they'll crack down on you. They won't let you do paid stuff. And, and frankly, it just gets more and more tight. I mean, I think we're getting to the point where we're getting at least one post a week flagged by Instagram or Facebook, and there's nothing to it. Uh, it just so gets flagged, there's no recourse. In?
2: There's no recourse either.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I'm, I've had a few good luck moments where I've rebutted it, and they've given it back to us. But you know, I it's, it's, it's we're at the mercy we're at the mercy of our social media overlords.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's so. so true. And it's it's honestly it's kind of hit and miss. She, I've got a good friend. Um, she had several posts taken down, and for no reason either. That in fact they took down. She had a picture of an American flag. They took down. So crazy. And I went to, and it was, there was a lot of this was going on on LinkedIn as well. I use LinkedIn quite a bit. So I went in there and posted a photo of me with an RPG. Mm-hmm. And then, then just to stir the pot, I threw out the whole nine millimeter versus 45 debate just to get <laughs> everybody fighting, just so I get a lot of traffic on it. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing, no, no flag. No, nothing. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And then sometimes I'll I'll post a picture of a knife and it goes against community standards and it's gone forever.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing what it'll be and and how arbit, how arbitrary it is. But you know, Fred, before we start to wrap up, I I do just want to see if maybe you could give us and uh, our audience a little bit of an insight on what the next article is you're working on uh, uh, for us. I believe it was this the the profile you know interview with uh, that that we gave you some material for when you came and took a tour here.
2: That's right. I'm finishing an article right now, a profile of the company. Um, awesome. It'll, it'll be. And, of course, in my opinion, it would be a fun read. <laughs> but we it, think so, it's too. It will be an overview of the company and really who you are. and Because there's a lot of people that know you, for example, for barrels. Uh, you knew handguns. I, I wrote a piece about that, and that caught a lot of traffic for me. That was a, that was a very good piece for people. So I want to give people a, bit, a little bit more depth about you and, and kind of a, a scope of really what you do. Because I think a lot of people – See you as this person, or, or this company, or this company, when in fact you're you're a very diverse company has a, a great deal to offer, and I, I think it'll I think it'll go well.
1: Well, thank. Additionally, thanks, we
2: have you know, we uh we have a rival coming in, so I'm working on I'm one of the people working on Ballistics Best, which is an annual that we have every year where we take in different categories, and ARs is one of them, rifles is one of them, and we do testing with it. We have a very specific criteria. We judge it for accuracy and things like this. And we're going to get one of your rifles into the mix this year.
1: Yes. I just went and checked with the armory today. They just built it. They've been. I, yeah. Shout out to all of our fans that think we're our armors are just kind of hanging out, watching Netflix all day. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you they're working as fast as they yeah, humanly. I, like I, I went in to talk to them today and they barely looked at me. I was like, Oh, my name, this rifle for Fred. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's done. It's over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, did not even yeah, look I, at me.
0: Yeah, it's when, I was,
2: when I did the tour there, you, everybody was just like on fire. Just yeah. Amazing running around trying to get stuff done well, so I, and it's, I can attest to it.
1: It's funny because Fred when you were here for that interview it was I think my second day here
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. so,
1: so yeah. throwback guys yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like I got thrown in it was like first thing in the morning and they were like oh you need to meet Fred Fred's here and I was like okay
0: yeah and so. I mean <laughs> that was also too we all assumed NRA was still happening so you know it's, yeah. Yeah. it's been just you know bonkers around here but, uh, but yeah so Fred uh, where can people find out more about you you know where's the that article going to be and if they want to learn more about what you do in the training realm of things uh you know where where could we point them uh, to find more about you
2: sure first on on my side of the house my website is forceoptionsusa.com and then across the social media spectrum is um at force options or force options usa so that'll be on instagram it'd be on twitter Facebook, LinkedIn. That's pretty, pretty easy to find me. The magazine wise, um, I write probably 80% of what I write is for print. And with that, these articles would be coming out in ballistic magazine, combat, probably combat handgun or tactical life um, for the overview. And what happens on the, on the print side is a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, 90% of the time, They'll let it set in print for a certain period of time, and then they'll digitize it. They'll send it to the digital platform as well. So that way we get evergreen content on the piece as well. And when that happens, it'll be on ballistic.com, ballisticmag.com or tacticallife.com they will be on one of those two. And I'll send you a link just so you know for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely share that link, you know, as soon as those articles are up. So everyone that follows us, Facebook, Instagram, we'll make sure that you guys can read that article. We're, I mean, we're really excited to read it, so...
0: Yeah. And all of uh, the links to Fred's profiles, websites, and so on will be in the show notes this week. So you could go to factsandfirearms.com slash blog and click on episode 54. Also this week, there are two giveaways happening right now. One is the big giveaway. Now, Fred, this got people confused at first when we announced it because we have a God bless Texas giveaway. We're
1: not in Texas, Dustin. They're like, you're not
0: in Texas. I thought you were in Cincinnati.
1: Ohio. And uh,
0: the the whole thing is, uh, you know, we have this planned uh, to be with other Ugh. exhibitors uh, at the NRA show. All so, USA yeah. companies
1: by uh, the way yeah. which we're super super excited about because that's nice. uh, We haven't really done a giveaway like that before. Yeah but. not
0: that targeted so I yeah. mean we have folks like Otis and Enforce and loopold and I mean uh, Weber Tactical Tops Knives. It's a great giveaway uh, so yes it was themed and branded and ready to go to debut <laughs> at that NRA show but instead of just taking all of our goodies and not giving it to anybody we decided to carry on with the giveaway.
1: Like, Don't you want our cool stuff? Yeah. Like,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you go to faxofirearms.com, you can click on the carousel image, the first one that you'll see there to get entered. In that. Still a couple of more weeks on that giveaway going on, and one week for the episode 54 giveaway. We're going to be giving away some more stuff <laughs> that we were going to give away at uh, NRA show. So just like we were talking about print, here we go. Nice
1: Dustin worked on this for what seems like years yes um, it's our
0: 2021 summer fall 2021 catalog and magazine uh so this will be uh sent out for the winter as well as some new patches and uh here soon we're waiting for a product launch a little bit of a tease which so is soon. featured in here um and once that is up and live uh, you could also access the digital version of the catalog at facts and firearms.com a little interactive uh, flip page and then uh, four patches.
1: Four patches. Four patches. Four patches. So, Dustin new patches. designed. Yes. He's very proud of the, could you explain what the big one is, Dustin? Or should we just leave it? Oh. for anyone that understands. I mean,
0: all right. So <laughs> when I first started here, Fred, I might be barking up the wrong tree with you. I, I don't know. but I don't know either, Fred, uh, so it's fine. But, <laughs> you know, one thing that is very prominent in all iterations of our logo is the X and the logo, yep. which, you know, uh, as you mentioned, profile the company and everything, you know, w- we've mentioned it here before, but, you know, we were born out of fax and machining. The original company, our sister company is still happening, going strong just a few miles down the road from us. And they opened in uh, the 1970s and uh, our owner's dad uh, came up with this original logo uh, with the X. And so we still have pictures of like them and their little shop in Northside with the big painted hand, on a big yeah. hand painted yeah. sign. <laughs> and so that X has been part of it. And since it's so prominent, I just thought, <laughs> it was funny because it just makes me think of the now late uh rapper dmx and so for the last couple of years uh for shows i'll design like a dmx kind of theme commemorative we had uh, the x gonna give it to you patch a couple of years ago we did uh, uh the first nra that was canceled we had a stop drop shut them down open up shop safety selector patch and then now the and then there was x uh patch as well
1: justin plays a lot of old school rap in- in the office and country oh, and bluegrass so. we do show
0: tunes we do sometimes show tune, we have show tunes Day.
1: we have Taylor Swift Fridays <laughs> it's
0: it's it's oh a my it's a smorgasbord we have, we have fun here
1: oh that, that won't be featured in the article yeah, but that be featured
0: in the article. it is now oh well yeah he's gotta go make some edits personal tastes oh, like, and preferences a new paragraph coming in yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: Emily and Justin listen to old school we rap and show office. tunes that's whatever <laughs> yeah
0: Spotify can't even keep up with us but, uh, but, but anyway if you want to enter to win, not only will you get these items, but we're also throwing in a pair of Caldwell uh, Emacs power cords. So excellent! The yep. So all those will be available. Go to factsandfirearms uh, Go to the blog page and click on episode fifty four to enter in the giveaway. Get the show notes and learn a little bit more about Fred and everything he does in the training and writing space in the industry. So Fred, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Fred. It was so good to it's see you my again. Absolute
0: pleasure. I am I am humbled
2: to be. Here. I really had a good time. I appreciate it. I all can't right. wait
1: to take another class with you. Uh, hopefully. At gun site in Arizona. Cross my fingers. Yep. Please, Dad.
0: Yep. Uh, it's not Please. up to me. <laughs>
1: <Darn>. <laughs> um,
0: outside of my purchasing authority. Say the word. Say the word. Uh, well, All thanks, right, Fred. Fred. We
1: appreciate it. We had a good time you today. Did. You so. guys
0: take care. And be safe. All right, you too, Fred. Bye. Bye-bye. I am, up. I am up. The facts of the blog.